0: Our scripture reading today is the book of Jonah. Yes, the whole book, which is a little too long to read to you now, although not by much. Uh, It's only four chapters, takes up three pages in my Bible. So ideally, just pause now and read it. Or if not now, do it sometime. It's a great story. And today, my hope is to first unpack it a little bit and then uh, reflect on what it might say to us in these strange days. So let's start at the start. Chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. These opening verses are straight out of the prophet playbook. An aspiring prophet hears a word from the Lord telling him to go to the wicked city and tell the wicked people to stop their wicked ways. Now, little Hebrew children hearing this story would have settled in for an uneventful tale of a long-suffering prophet and a disobedient people. But our story goes literally a different direction. In the very next line, we read, But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid his fare and went on board. Now that would have gotten the attention of the half-listening Hebrew kids. This was not what good prophets were supposed to do. But first, a little bit of context that may be lost on our modern ears. Nineveh. Nineveh was an ancient Assyrian city across the river from modern-day Mosul in northern Iraq. It was at one time the largest city in the world. And the Assyrians were powerful enemies of the tribes of Israel, which certainly helps to explain why our reluctant prophet decided God's plan didn't need to be his plan and headed instead to Tarshish. Tarshish. Tarshish was also an ancient city mentioned often in the Bible, but we no longer know exactly where it was. My favorite theory is that Tarshish was actually the city of Tartessos in ancient Hispania because Spain at that time was literally the end of the known world. So this would have been like saying Jonah fled to Timbuktu, as far away from God as he could get. But on his way to Tarshish, things get a little crazy. This is the part that most people remember about the story of Jonah. A storm comes up on the ship, and the sailors wonder what they've done to offend God. Jonah, to his credit, admits that he's on the run from God and even suggests that they just throw him overboard. The sailors, to their credit, really don't want to do this. But the storm keeps getting worse, so they do, and the storm stops. Jonah, in the part of the story the Hebrew children would have loved because it's fabulous, then gets eaten by a giant fish. Now, it doesn't actually say it's a whale, by the way, But that's the way we remember it, and that's fine. For three days and three nights, he's in the belly of the whale, and there he decides maybe running from God isn't such a good life plan after all. So he prays this long, beautiful prayer, and God spits him out onto the dry land and says, like I said the first time, go to Nineveh. Now he goes, but you still don't get the sense that his heart is in it. He walks around the city for most of a day, preaching a one-sentence sermon. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. That's the haul he does. And the story says that the city immediately repented. Now, at this point, the little Hebrew children are cracking up because they know how this is supposed to go. Oh, they've heard the stories of Jeremiah weeping over Jerusalem for four decades and Hosea preaching for more than 60 years. But after one day on the job, our half-hearted Jonah has become the most successful prophet to have ever lived. By decree of the king, the entire city is supposed to repent, fast, and put on sackcloth. Even the animals, says the king, shall fast and wear sackcloth. You see how this is, it's a spoof, basically, of the whole prophet genre. And then it gets even funnier, because instead of being glad that the city has repented, like any self-respecting prophet would, Jonah's furious. I knew you'd spare them, he yells at God. This is just like you. Why do you think I ran off to Tarshish in the first place? You know what? Just kill me. Kill me now. I can't take it. So, Now, we're almost at the end of the story, and Jonah goes outside to Nineveh, outside of Nineveh, to pout. And this odd little exchange with God takes place. Just like God sent the storm and then the giant fish, God now sends a bush to give poor Jonah a little bit of shade. This makes him very happy. And then the next day, God sends a worm to eat the bush, and Jonah is back in the hot sun, and this makes him very angry. And God asks, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah says, yes, angry enough to die. And God says, you're upset about a bush, a bush you did nothing to help grow, a bush that appeared one night and disappeared the next. But you don't think I should be concerned about Nineveh, a great city with more than 120,000 people and who knows how many animals. And that's it. That's the whole book. It ends right there. So here's something for you Bible trivia fans. Of the 66 books that are in the Bible, only two of them end with a question mark. The book of Jonah and the book of Nahum. Nahum, you ask? Exactly. The book of Nahum. Also a prophet. Also a short book. Also about Nineveh, funny enough. But not nearly as entertaining. So what might this strange old story have to say to us, especially living in these strange days that we're in? Whether you're a parent pulling your hair out, trying to keep your kids focused on virtual school while keeping all the other things going too, or you're feeling isolated or lonely with so few chances for connection and community these days, or maybe you've lost your job or maybe you're just tired of every day feeling like Blur's Day. Whatever situation you are in, the world these days can feel like our own kind of Nineveh, a hard demanding enemy territory. And it's only natural to want to find the next ship to Tarshish. And a little Tarshish time is definitely in order these days. We need breaks from the daily onslaught we're experiencing of pandemic updates and political shenanigans and all the literal and metaphorical wildfires and hurricanes. So be gentle with yourself. A Netflix binge may be just what you need, but also be careful. We know addictions are on the rise during this pandemic and it's very easy to develop some bad patterns while we're all cooped up like this that will be tough to break once this is over. But I think the real insight into our story about Tarshish is the truth that we all know deep down, that eventually we have to go to Nineveh. We have to accept the situation we find ourselves in and do our best to rise to the occasion. The story of Jonah is, I think, a story about growing up about accepting responsibility and saying yes to what the world is asking of us. But what's so great about this story is that it says we don't have to grow up all at once and we don't always have to say yes with a smile. Jonah was clear with God from the beginning that he was no Jeremiah. And when God asks, don't you think I should care about Nineveh? which is really to say, don't you think you should care about Nineveh? The question is left open. Jonah wasn't some amazing servant of God and maybe never would be, and maybe we won't be either, but he did show up. He did it grumbling, but he showed up and God used him to do amazing things. So we don't always have to face what we're going through with a cheery disposition. And we can be mad about all of this and tired of all of this. And we can even throw a pity party now and then. As long as we then pick our sorry selves up and head to Nineveh. So here's my one sentence sermon for this week. Show up, even when you don't feel like it. Do the best you can and trust God to do the rest. Amen.